Section 1 of the Natural History, Volume 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Arnie Horton. The Natural History, Volume 4, by Pliny the Elder. Translated by John Bostock and Henry Thomas Riley. Section 1, Chapters 1 through 7. Book 16. The Natural History of the Forest Trees. Chapter 1. Countries that have no trees. We have given the precedence in this account to the fruit trees and others which, by their delicious juices, first taught man to give a relish to his food and the various ailments requisite for his sustenance. Whether it is that they spontaneously produce these delightful flavors, or whether we have imparted them by the methods of adoption and intermarriage, thus bestowing a favor, as it were, upon the very beasts and birds. The next thing, then, would be to speak of the glandiferous trees, the trees which preferred the earliest nutriment to the appetite of man, and proved themselves his foster mothers in his forlorn and savage state. Did I not feel myself constrained on this occasion to make some mention of the surprise which I have felt on finding by actual experience what is the life of mortals when they inhabit a country that is without either tree or shrub. 1. I have already stated that in the East many nations that dwell on the shores of the ocean are placed in this necessitous state, and I myself have personally witnessed the condition of the Chanuai, both the greater and lesser, situate in the regions of the far north. In those climates a vast tract of land, invaded twice each day and night by the overflowing waves of the oceans, opens a question that is eternally proposed to us by nature, whether these regions are to be looked upon as belonging to the land, or whether as forming a portion of the sea. Here a wretched race is found, inhabiting either the more elevated spots of land, or else eminences artificially constructed and of a height to which they know by experience that the highest tides will never reach. Here they pitch their cabins. And when the waves cover the surrounding country far and wide, like so many mariners on board ship are they. When again the tide recedes, their condition is that of so many shipwrecked men, and around their cottages they pursue the fishes as they make their escape with the receding tide. It is not their lot, like the adjoining nations, to keep any flocks for sustenance by their milk, nor even to maintain a warfare with wild beasts, every shrub even being banished afar. With the sedge and the rushes of the marsh they make cords, and with these they weave the nets employed in the capture of the fish. They fashion the mud, too, with their hands, and drying it by the help of the winds more than of the sun, cook their food by its aid, and so warm their entrails, frozen as they are by the northern blasts. Their only drink Two is rainwater, which they collect in holes dug at the entrance of their abodes. And yet these nations, if this very day they were vanquished by the Roman people, would exclaim against being reduced to slavery. Be it so, then, fortune is most kind to many, just when she means to punish them. Chapter 2. Wonders Connected with Trees in the Northern Regions Another marvel, too, connected with the forests. They cover all the rest of Germany, and by their shade augment the cold. But the highest of them all are those not far distant from the Chalsea already mentioned, and more particularly in the vicinity of the two lakes there. 
the very shores are lined with oaks which manifest an extraordinary eagerness to attain their growth undermined by the waves or uprooted by the blasts with their entwining roots they carry vast forests along with them and thus balanced stand upright as they float along while they spread apart their huge branches like the rigging of so many ships many is the time that these trees have struck our fleets with alarm when the waves have driven them almost purposely it would seem against their prows as they stood at anchor in the night and the men destitute of all remedy and resource have had to engage in a naval combat with a forest of trees too in the same northern regions too is the hercinian forest whose gigantic oaks uninjured by the lapse of ages and contemporary with the creation of the world by their near approach to immortality surpass all other marvels known not to speak of other matters that would surpass all belief it is a well-known fact that their roots as they meet together upheave vast hills or if the earth happens not to accumulate with them rise aloft to the very branches even and as they contend for the mastery form arcades like so many portals thrown open and large enough to admit of the passage of a squadron of horse three all these trees in general belong to the glandiferous class and have ever been held in the highest honor by the roman people chapter three four the acorn oak the civic crown it is with the leaves of this class of trees that our civic crown is made the most glorious reward that can be bestowed on military valor and for this long time past the emblem of the imperial clemency since the time in fact when after the impiety of civil war it was first deemed a meritorious action not to shed the blood of a fellow citizen far inferior to this in rank are the mural crown the valar and the golden one superior though they may be in the value of the material inferior too in merit is the rostrate crown though ennobled in recent times more particularly by two great names those of m vara who was presented with it by pompeius magnus for his great achievements in the piratic war and of m agrippa on whom it was bestowed by caesar at the end of the sicilian war which was also a war against pirates in former days the beaks of vessels fastened in front of the tribunal graced the forum and seemed as it were a crown placed upon the head of the roman people itself in later times however they began to be polluted and, and trodden underfoot amid the seditious movements of the tribunes the public interest was sacrificed to private advantage each citizen sought solely his own advantage and everything looked upon as holy was abandoned to profanation still from amid all of this the rostra emerged once again and passed from beneath the feet of the citizens to their heads augustus presented to agrippa the rostrate crown while he himself received the civic crown at the hands of all mankind chapter four the origin of the presentation of crowns in ancient times crowns were presented to none but a divinity hence it is that homer awards them only to the gods of heaven and to the entire army but never to an individual however great his achievements in battle may have been it is said too that father liber was the first of all who placed the crown on his head and that it was made of ivy in succeeding times those engaged in sacrifices in honor of the gods began to wear them the victims being decked with wreaths as well more recently again they were employed in the sacred games at the present day 
they are bestowed on such occasions not upon the victor indeed but upon his country which receives it is proclaimed this crown at his hands hence arose the usage of conferring wreaths upon warriors when about to enjoy a triumph for them to consecrate in the temples after which it became the custom to present them at our games it will be a lengthy matter and indeed foreign to the purpose of this work to enter upon a discussion who was the first roman that received each kind of crown in fact they were acquainted with none but such as were given as the reward of military prowess it is a well-known fact however that this people has more varieties of crowns than those of all other nations put together chapter five persons presented with a crown of leaves romulus presented hostus hostilius with a crown of leaves for being the first to enter fidenae this hostus was the grandfather of king tullus hostilius p decius the elder the military tribune was presented with a crown of leaves by the army which had been saved by his valor under the command of cornelius Cossus, a consul in the war with the samnites this crown was made at first of the leaves of the home oak but afterwards those of the Aesculus were preferred as being a tree sacred to jupiter this however was soon employed indifferently by the quercus according as each might happen to present itself the honorable distinction given to the acorn being the only thing observed rigorous laws were however enacted to maintain the lofty glories of this wreath by which it was placed upon inequality even with the supreme honors of the wreath that is given by greece in presence of jove himself and to receive which the exulting city of the victor is wont to break a passage through its very walls these laws are to the effect that the life of a fellow citizen must be preserved and an enemy slain that the spot where this takes place must have been held by the enemy that same day that the person saved shall admit the fact other witnesses being of no use at all and that the person saved shall have been a roman citizen to preserve an ally merely even though it should be the life of a king that is so saved confers no right to this high reward nor is the honor at all increased even if it is the roman general that has been thus preserved it being the intention of the framers of the law that it should be the status of the citizen that is everything when a man has received this wreath it is his privilege to wear it for the rest of his life when he makes his appearance at the celebration of the games it is customary for the senate even to rise from their seats and he has the right of taking his seat next to the senators exemption too from all civic duties is conferred upon him as well as his father and his father's father Siccius dentatus as we have already mentioned on an appropriate occasion received fourteen civic crowns and manlius capitolinus six one among the rest for having saved the life of his general servilius scipio africanus declined to accept the civic crown for having saved the life of his father at the battle of trebia times these right worthy of our everlasting admiration which accorded honor alone as the reward of exploits so mighty and which while other crowns were recommended by being made of gold disdained to set a price upon the safety of a citizen and loudly proclaimed thereby that it is unrighteous to save the life of a man for motives of lucre chapter six five thirteen varieties of the acorn it is a well-known fact that acorns at this very day constitute the wealth of many nations and that too even amid these times of peace 
sometimes also when there is a scarcity of corn they are dried and ground the meal being employed for making a kind of bread even to this very day in the provinces of spain we find the acorn introduced at table in the second course it is thought to be sweeter when roasted in the ashes by the law of the twelve tables there is a provision made that it shall be lawful for a man to gather his acorns when they have fallen upon the land of another the varieties of the glendiferous trees are numerous and they are found to differ in fruit locality sex and taste the acorn of the beech having one shape that of the quarius another and that again of the home oak another the various species also among themselves offer a considerable number of varieties in addition to this some of these trees are of a wild nature while the fruits of others are of a less acrid flavor owing to a more careful cultivation then too there is a difference between the varieties which grow on the mountains and those of the plains the males differ from the females and there are considerable modifications in the flavor of their fruit that of the beech is the sweetest of all so much so that according to cornelius alexander the people of the city of chios when besieged supported themselves wholly on mast the different varieties cannot possibly be distinguished by their respective names which vary according to their several localities the quercus and the robur we see growing everywhere but not so with the iscolus while a fourth kind known as the keras is not so much as known throughout the greater part of italy we shall distinguish them therefore by their characteristic features and when circumstances render it necessary shall give their greek names as well chapter seven six the beech the acorn of the beech is similar in appearance to a kernel enclosed in a shell of a triangular shape the leaf is thin and one of the very lightest is similar in appearance to that of the poplar and turns yellow with remarkable rapidity from the middle of the leaf and upon the upper side of it there mostly shoots a little green berry with a pointed top the beech is particularly agreeable to rats and mice and hence it is that where this tree abounds these creatures are sure to be plentiful also the leaves are also very fattening for dormice and good for thrushes too almost all trees bear an average crop but once in two years this is the case with the beech more particularly end of section one